It's been a messy week for the Smitty and Mitty show, but we've got content for you coming up nonetheless. Mitty will sit down with PGA writer Matt Vincenzi, and we'll hear from Dirt Bowl organizer Joey Wentworth. Don't go anywhere, the Smitty and Mitty show is on. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. All right, welcome back to the Smitty and Mini Show across the TSMS radio network. Thank you for tuning in with us this week, wherever you are tuned in from Always a pleasure to have you with us across the TSMS Radio Network and, of course, on the Smitty and Mini Show podcast if you're listening when this comes out. It has been a big week. It has been a busy week. It has been a hectic and all-over-the-place week for the Smitty and Mini Show. So you're going to have me for the first little bit of the show. And then Mitty did an interview earlier this week where I wasn't able to get to. Uh, so he's going to be alone for kind of the middle part of the show. And then uh, we'll also replay an interview that we did earlier on in the week just because it has been that kind of week for us here trying to produce this show. So hopefully uh, it's still entertaining as always. And we'll be back with the regularly scheduled in the same room Smitty and Mitty sports content that you always love next week but we should also give a huge congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche uh, who won the, won the Stanley Cup this past week a huge win for them defeating the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning in game six so uh, exciting to watch that exciting to see so many young talented players uh, a guy like uh, for us here um, I record this in, in London Ontario to see a guy like Nazem Kadri who played junior hockey here of course then played with a Toronto Maple Leafs and then went over to the Colorado Avalanche to win a cup there. Uh, so much emotion from him. Uh, young talent like Kale McCarr, uh, who was obviously fantastic throughout the regular season, fantastic in the playoffs. Uh, to see some of those guys lift the Stanley Cup, it was amazing to see. And, and props to the Colorado Avalanche, a team that from day one of the season, so many people had picked to be their Stanley Cup champion. And uh, by the end of the year, they were the final team standing, so congrats to them. I wanted to play a quick clip here. This is an interview from a press conference done after the game. It's Kale McCarr with his younger brother, Taylor McCarr, who is actually a draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche as well. He was a 2021 pick. Uh, they both sat down. Of course, Kale McCarr was also the Con Smythe winner this year, so they had the chance to sit down with each other in the press conference, and, and this is what they had to say. It's surreal. Um... I'm not too worried about this individual stuff, just the celebrating the main thing with the boys. So it's awesome to be able to have family here too. This is my brother Taylor, so he's drafted by the app. So he'll be at camp in a couple of weeks, so I figured I'd bring him in for this. It's insane for me to watch. Uh, he's the hardest working person I've ever known, so dedicated. Um, it's so funny seeing us grow up together, have those sibling fights, battles, playing for fake Stanley Cups and mini sticks, and uh, to see him finally... Uh, be able to lift that. I know he's always wanted that and something I've always wanted to be able to watch too. Just so proud of him and our family. 
so nice for Kale McCarr and uh, to be able to share that with his family, of course, his younger brother, um, and nice for so many of these uh, guys to share it with their family. I know Nazem Kadri, who I mentioned before, had tons of family there with him. Uh, uh, congrats to Landis Cog, McKinnon, uh, so many of the star guys that have been there with the Avalanche, and you know they've been a, a star team for years and years now. They finally broke through. They ended the dynasty of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so congrats to them, and once again, congrats to the Colorado Avalanche who are Stanley Cup champions here in 2022. Also, congrats uh, in the junior level, St. John Sea Dogs. They are the uh, 2022 Memorial Cup champions uh, this past week as well. So congrats to both of those clubs. Uh, hockey season, I guess, now is officially over. It's into baseball full swing now, and then we'll talk about hockey again when September and October rolls around. All right, we got an interview to get to. As mentioned, I wasn't there for this one earlier this week, but Mr. Middleton was, and he's going to be joined by PG writer Matt Vincenzi right now I'll let Mitty bring him in joining us now golf writer for golf WRX he's also the PGA betting expert for Action Network golf bet and fantasy lab it's Matt Vincenzi Matt thanks for joining us hey no problem uh, happy to be on unfortunately you could just get me to it this week you don't get uh, Mr. Smith but believe me it's a blessing in disguise you didn't want to <laughs> you don't want to talk to him anyways uh, so let's start let's start with what's the biggest news in golf and it I mean, it has been for a while, ever since it kind of cropped up, the Live Tour. And uh, we, we see this week Matt Wolf uh, going over along with several other golfers. Now eight of the top 50 have joined the Tour. What does this mean for the PGA? Uh, it, it isn't good. And, you know, I originally, um, it was three or four months ago, I, I was actually the first person to tweet um, that non Westwood and Polter were going to be going. And it got a lot of comments and most of them were saying oh is this the washed up tour and i kept saying you know it's not just these three names it's the implications that come along with it um and a lot of people thought that made me you know pro live tour which which it didn't um but i was just saying the pj tour needs to take the threat seriously and it didn't seem like they did it first and a lot of the people kind of brushed it off um and now it seems like it is a it is a looming threat you know and the players who are going there aren't playing all that well right now, but they are some of the biggest names in golf, right? Look at, you know, after Tiger, Phil, who's gone, Spieth, Bryson and Brooks have been two of the biggest names in golf over the past couple of years. Whether they've been playing the best or not, it's a different story. But in terms of a draw, those are big names. And like you said, it was a huge concern when the older players were going over and, and some of the biggest players. I mean, uh, the topping, Dustin Johnson, who was at least 16th in the world. Um but now they're starting to draw those young players. And when you start drawing the young players, you take away from that feeder into the PGA. That's to me where they should really be concerned. Yeah. I mean, you have, um, you have James Piot, who's the, who won the US amateur a couple of years ago. Now you have uh, Chikara, the, the Spanish kid who's, who's going over there. He's the number two ranked amateur. So younger guys playing um, is, is a problem and it's tough for the tour to compete with because they don't really have as much stock to offer it's like you can go turn pro and go to live and be able to compete for four million dollars immediately or you can grind your butt off for two years on the corn ferry tour and try to earn a promotion and try to do this and make pennies on the dollar while you do it and it's an easy decision for some of these guys who just want financial security because you never know what could happen yeah i mean this week i live to her playing at pumpkin ridge in oregon a 20 million dollar purse yet again including a team event that's pulling in an extra five million i mean the money's there and i wonder if maybe the way for the PGA to kind of combat this. Yes, their purses need to get a little bigger during their during their their events and the bigger events for sure. But do they need more money going to the amateurs, you know, 
in in the lower tours so that they don't lose the young kids because that's the problem don't use the lung don't lose the young kids because you're going to have you know no turnover at that point then right so maybe some financial incentives for them but also like an easier path for the highest ranked college players and amateurs to get to the tour instead of um you know instead of having to go through all these steps and processes to get there a quicker path but i also think you know this might be an unpopular opinion that greg norman believe him or not most people aren't going to believe believe what he says but from the beginning he's been saying he's been willing to work with the pga tour in terms of you know being able to coexist right monahan might not like it the pga might not like it but setting up these tournaments so they can be on at the same time like this week the john deere classic right a lot of guys are going to skip it i'm sure the sponsors aren't going to like it but if this were to happen but you could have these events let these guys go do their cash grab six, eight events a year, and then keep their PGA Tour cards so you're not losing all those good young players and, lo and losing Dustin Johnson and Matthew Wolf and Bryson, who still says he's going to keep his tour card, right? So we still probably have a court battle coming up. But, you know, I would have liked to see them try to at least coexist or maybe now try to coexist, realizing, you know, if they lose anybody else, they're going to have no choice and they're going to have zero leverage. So I would have liked them, you know, to see if they could have worked something out instead of just immediately paying so much attention to it, saying, you know, if any of you guys do this, it's, you know, you're done on the PGA Tour. And the guys called their bluff and now they're kind of in a pickle. Do you see any way, because I, I feel like when, when Phil decided to go over, he took all that backlash, mostly because of what he said about the Saudis. But when he took all that backlash, it was kind of a feeler for the rest of the players to see how it's going to be kind of perceived by the public, if it's going to be worth their money. And it was kind of just kind of to see what's going on. And, you know, now they're starting to realize that the money's kind of worth it. So is there a way that the PGA can work with them? Is there a way that these players can, that the PGA will let, can they let them back in? Because they were so tough saying, you know what, you, if you go, you're not coming back. That's it. That is it. You are not coming back. We are putting our foot down. Now the players left. Is there any way that they can possibly even let them back in without, I mean, looking weak? Yeah, that, that's why they're in such a bind. Um, probably not. And Monaghan probably won't do that. Um, but I think it's probably going to end up going to court and they'll probably, they'll probably lose. Um, based on, you know, the things that I've read and the things that I've seen. Um, so I think that's probably the way it will go. Um, but, you know, in the future, is there a way to coexist? I think if these some of these guys end up being able to, you know, it's ruled that they can keep their, their tour card, I think, you know, there's going to have to, you know, I think Monaghan should, should make a statement saying, we disagree with these guys' decisions to go, but we recognize that they're independent contractors and legally they have the right to do it. Again, we disappoint, we're disappointed they're playing. The PGA Tour is the best place to play golf. You know, make the statement disapproving of it um, and, and hopefully move on and, and go from there. Because a lot of people think these, the live stuff is going to fizzle out, but I just don't see how it fizzles out, you know, anytime soon. Do you think it's different if the money wasn't coming from Saudi backers, if it was just you know, company money, if, you know, some big company, be it a 3M or whoever, just threw a bunch of money at it and said, here, but the fact that it's, you know, Saudi Arabians and everything that comes with that money, do you think that affects what the PGA is doing? I think that's what their story is. I, I don't know if that's the actual truth. I think, um, I don't think they'd be okay with any organization coming in and sniping all the best player or trying to take all the best players and getting a, a good deal of them. I don't think they'd be okay with that. Um, they'd probably have to have a different strategy of saying why they weren't okay with that. But in the end, they do have, they have had a monopoly on golf for forever. And look at Phil's initial comments that Shipnuck leaked. He said um, he wanted to use this to gain leverage for the PGA Tour so the players got more money. Everyone laughed and said, you know, he's greedy and he's terrible. He's whatever. 
what just happened. They just said, announce the new fall series that they're going to have add 200 million. So you had 200 million laying around, right? And now that this happened, you're throwing the extra 200 million on there. So Phil, what Phil said, you can disagree with it. You can disagree with the way he said it, the, the, all the Saudi blood money, however you want to say it, but ended up, he was right. There was more money to be given out. So, um, you know, they're going to have to rethink things. They're going to have to change some things up. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the John Deere after this. But I mean, I think it's a huge weekend for the PGA because this is the first live tour that is taking place in the United States. And it's happening at the exact same time as a PGA event. And like you mentioned, a PGA event where it's going to be a really weak field because players are getting ready for the Open. And they're just kind of probably going to skip this week or most players are skipping this week. So it's going to be a huge week for the PGA to see how the live tour can push up in, you know, in primetime numbers against the PGA. Yeah, I mean, this is this this week is the test, right? So you had day one of live. People are going to watch whether they loved it or they hated it. They're going to watch because they want to see, you know, what it was. They had they had um, about a hundred thousand viewers on YouTube uh, average for that day. Friday, Saturday, it dipped down to about sixty thousand. Um, so you know, I think if it eclipses at a hundred thousand on YouTube this week, you know, at any time, I think that's a bad sign for the PGA tour, right? Because a lot of times like XFL first weekend, you're getting a bunch of people watching just to see what it is. And then, and then it tapers off. So we'll see really quickly. I think if, you know, and especially against this, this is probably the worst field that I've seen. You know, I write a, a preview and I have a, a statistical model every week and the numbers in terms of the best numbers for each of the stat categories ha are the lowest that they've been that I've ever written in two years that I've written for action. So it's a weak field and, you know, a, a field that's typically weak gets even weaker when some of those back-end players, a lot of people are saying, oh, we don't care if Wolf goes, we don't care if Bryson goes, we don't care if Ricky goes. Well, the 3M is in a couple of weeks. Those are the three headliners at the 3M or the Rocket Mortgage every single year. And now the whole field gets diminished because, you know, those those guys aren't there and they are draws. So uh, we'll see what, what the ratings do this week. Um, you know, regardless of what we say, a lot of people say there's no soul in these tournaments, which I agree with. I think Long-term, Liv has to find a way to make these tournaments mean something besides just let's everybody watch and see if this guy's going to win $4 million. You know, that's that's the key to their long-term sustainability. They, they might have money that lasts forever, but in terms of interest, that's what they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the big majors are the tournaments that draw the big guys. And, you know, the Masters means something. The Open Championship means something. And how often do you just sit down and watch a millionaire try and play for four millions like who cares really yeah and, right. and when they're when they're playing a shotgun with you know team events and it's it's kind of like sunday drinking golf you're right they need to find a way to make it kind of relevant to the normal person and when, when you're talking about youtube there um do you think that the pga needs to become a little bit easier to stream and to find because unless you are you know signed up to if it's tsn in canada or if it's um you know the the golf networks or whatever unless you're signed up to those networks, you can't find it. It's impossible to find on the internet and that's by design by the PGA. So they need to have a better, be better at being available to the public. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And the broadcast needs to be better. Um, this is another thing people aren't going to like, but I think it's time to start facing facts and, and figure out how PGA tour can evolve. And I, I always liken it to this. It, betting fantasy are the biggest things that are driving the golf industry. Um, look at NFL, like Sunday ticket or the, or the red zone channel. You can see every score from every player on every team every single Sunday. And golf, you can't see that. These guys are investing a lot of money and they're gambling in the DFS space and they can't see what their guys are doing for a shot. Some of these, the app messes up all the time. It's just, it needs to evolve. The, there's too many commercials. There's too many talking head segments. There's too many flashback montages and not enough golf shots. 
the one thing that you see from the live coverage. And again, I didn't think the live product was great. So, so I'm not, I'm not saying that, but they showed way more golf shots than, than you'll see on the PGA tour coverage. Um, the older fan, you know, storyline type things they do that caters to them, but the new younger generation wants to see golf shots. They want to see their guy, even if he's eight shots back and he's putting for birdie so they can get two more points on the DraftKings lineup. Like they need to find a way to evolve for the younger uh, fan. Uh, yeah. And I mean, bringing betting into all this would be an excellent way for a weekend like this, where, you know, the John Deere is not going to be, like you said, there's, I, I think there's what no players in the top 50 playing. Like it's, it's a really, really weak field. Maybe how do you do live betting? How do you make that um, available to the public? Is it, you know, showing, let's say, I don't even know, a, a player teeing off on four and saying that a birdie is worth, you know, minus 200 right here and see if you just follow the hole all the way through and make that easier to watch. Is that a way to do it or how would you do it? They're trying to do it, but it just seems like a, not a great way to do it. Like they'll say, you know, here they've, they've been trying to incorporate it. They'll say like, here's the threesome that's teeing off at, at, uh, at this time. And, you know, Ricky Fowler's plus 165 to beat Matthew Wolf and, and Bryson. And that's basically what they'll say. They'll change the, they'll show the betting odds of like the live odds of who is the best chance to win, which I think is good. But the thing is we, most fans know what the odds are. Um, most fans are tracking the odds on their phone. They're looking to bet stuff. They just want to see as many shots as possible. Um, they want to, they just want to see golf shots. They want to see less commercials, less talking, less, the less of the broadcast. And one other thing that people don't like, and that I don't really don't like is when they're interviewing players who are going to the clubhouse while there's still golf going on, like, you know, the, the leaders will be on 16 and a guy who just finished, they're going to interview him about how good of a round he had when there's still golf shots going around and the leaders are on one of the holes. It's like so many things that are just, I believe are common sense that they need to kind of, kind of figure out. Uh, so let's talk about the John Deere quickly. Uh, like you mentioned there, an article uh, up on Action Network. It's also on your Twitter. You can find it there. I gave it a read. Again, how do you make this tournament interesting? What can we bet on this weekend to make it a little more interesting? You know, the one thing that I was disappointed with was a lot of times when you see a weaker field, there are a lot of young up-and-coming players that a lot of casual fans might not know about that they might get a chance to see. But this week, it really isn't that. There's very few up-and-comers, but they it's mostly like journeymen and veterans who are kind of just playing in this event. So it's not the best, but um, in terms of betting, there is a little bit of a value, I think, you know, because they have to price somebody towards the top of the betting board. Like Adam had when it was 14 or 16 to one, something I've never seen before. Um, but you do get the unique situation that might offer some value. The fact that I think the guys at 80 to hundred to one have, you know, almost just as good of a chance to win as the guys that are, you know, 10 to 16 to one because the top of the field is so weak. So I do think that provides some value. Um, some uh, the guys have bet here, uh, Cameron champ at, at 50 or 60 to one, whatever you get, I think is a good one. Um, and the way I explain it is he's been pretty bad lately, but he manages to win just about every single season on tour and he's 50 or 60 to one in one of the weaker fields you're ever going to see. So the question I ask is if you play this event 60 times, is he going to win it once or more than once? And if the answer is yes, it's a good bet. So, uh, him, I went Cameron Davis at 40 to one. And then Ches Revy at 45 to one, who's been playing some really good golf lately. Reminds me a lot of Lucas Glover, who won the, won the event last year. A guy who, you know, puts everything to five feet with a wedge. And if he just makes his putts, he, he definitely has a chance to win. So those are some three of the, that's as high as I'm going, that 40, 40 to 50 uh, range this week. The PGA kind of did that to themselves with the young players not playing either, right? Because it's, it's better for them to play, you know, in the amateur tour and get their points there if they're working for their card rather than switch over to a PGA event and, you know, 
not finish as high because you're playing against real professionals, right? That That's something that needs to change too if they want to get these younger players kind of in the eye of the average golf viewer. And there's no way for them to get in for the most part. I mean, you, a bunch of guys withdrew. Daniel Berger withdrew. There's like six or seven withdraws. And every guy that they're replacing um, them with after they withdraw are guys I've never heard of. And I've heard of everybody. And there's, you know, there's eight or 10 guys who are up and coming on the Corn Ferry Tour, or these young amateur players who like, Give them a sponsor's exemption. You know, a good example is Michael Thor Bjornsson from last week, um, who is a uh, he's a sophomore at, at Stanford, and he was contending deep into the event at um, at the Travelers, and everybody was like, "We got to see more of this guy." We, we, you know, where did he come from? He's actually playing in a uh, an event over in Scotland this week, so he's not going to be not available. But those are the guys they need to target. This young up and coming guy, college kid, who's going to be a star one day. Let's put him in this John Deere field and see if he can compete with these with these aging veterans. Side note, I'm so happy they moved the Canadian Open away from the Open Championship because it used to be the week before and it was just... Nobody played it, yeah. Nobody played. Nobody yeah. came. But nobody wants to come to Canada in the first place, let alone <laughs> when, you're that, when you're that close. So I am so happy they moved it. We got to see some actual golfers. This that year. was a great event. That it was. It was phenomenal, especially after three years away. That's the kind of that's the way you push back onto the scene. I wasn't able to make it, but next year I will be getting my tickets to make sure I make it. And it, it worked out perfectly because it was opposite the Live event. And that gave all the people who hate the Live and everything, it gave them easy thing just to say look how amazing this was look how much rory wanted to win look how much these guys cared about winning it means something there's a soul there's the pga tour you know and it it worked it couldn't have worked out better for the pga tour all right the open championship 30th time it's been at st andrews 150th open championship what do you look for at a course like this i mean the birthplace of golf what do you look for in a golfer that can push and, and challenge for a championship here it's a tough one because it you know st andrews the old course is so dependent on weather Right. If there's if there's no wind and it's kind of a calm week and it's, you know, you can get scores between, you know, 16 under and 20 under, which isn't a typical open championship. And, you know, I think probably four of the last five of of the opens at St. Andrews have been 14 under or, or better. So um, people can score there unless it gets really windy. I think when John Daly won, uh, he was five under or six under. So that was the, the year it really paid hard. Other than that, it really hasn't, you know, Tiger 14 under Louis 15 under. And it's a tough one to, to cap too, because um, any skill set can win, right? You saw John Daly, who was the biggest hitter on tour uh, at the time when you see Louis, who's not a big hitter win um, Zach Johnson, right. Who's not a big hitter win. So I think it's going to be so dependent on weather in terms of what kind of, t- what type of golfer that you're going to be looking at. Um, and I hope we get a real tough, open championship after the, what we saw at, at, uh, at St. George's, you know, with, it seemed like just such an American style of golf with Morikawa winning and, you know, there was no, no real creativity. So, um, but you know, old course, you're going to have to have creativity no matter what. So I think that's one thing you're going to look for in a golfer. Does that play better for the veterans who have been there and done that multiple times? Maybe have even won there versus the younger kids who are maybe taken over by, you know, the scene and, and, I mean, it's the biggest, it's the biggest stage of golf, really. Absolutely. I think so. Um, I think, you know, some, uh, some links pedigree and people have, who have done it on those style of golf courses. And I said this a lot last year and I kind of ended up eating my words when Morikawa won. I was like a young guy, as good as he is, he's such a prototypical, um, you know, American player. He's not the, the type who's good around the green. He's not, not a good putter. Doesn't have that type of creativity. He's just kind of like stock iron shots you know stick it to 10 feet on these classical tree line layouts that you'll see and i didn't think he could win an open championship but the thing was it just didn't play like an open championship there was no wind um the around the greens weren't like 
you know, se severely with runoffs where you had to really get creative with the chipping. And I thought it was kind of very disappointing last year, just the whole event in general. So I hope, you know, we, you need some of that savviness and that, you know, you know, veteran craftiness around the greens and knowing how to play shots with a, um, you know, putting from off the green and all these things that you have to do in an open championship battle, the wind. I hope all those things are, are present at the old course. How do you bet on golf? I mean, that's such a wide open question, but in, in a sport where, you know, the best golfers in the world, maybe win 5% of tournaments at the end or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's so, I mean, it's not worth it to bet on winners. Cause I mean, how often are you actually going to land with, do you bet top tens? Do you bet top twenties? Do you bet matches like head to heads? What are you betting? So I bet, I bet outright winners and then, you know, the, the strategy I use, um, and there's ways, you know, various ways to do it, but one mistake, a lot of people who just start betting golf make is, you know, they'll pick five guys they like and say, they'll throw 50 bucks on each guy. You know, the thing that I do that's different is the amount you risk on each guy shouldn't be the same. The amount you win on each guy should be the same. So if I'm betting one guy at 10 to one and one guy at hundred to one and say, I'm trying to win $5,000, right. I'll put 500 on a guy who's 10 to one and 50 on a guy who's hundred to one, right? Cause if you put 50 on both of them, if the guy who's 10 to one wins, you barely win anything. And the thing what you're going to hit big on is the thing that's very unlikely to happen, right? So you want the outcome to be whatever is most likely to happen, you'll get paid the same amount, right? So, um, and you know, and if the way you do that, and like I, the example I just gave, you're risking 550 to win 5,000, that's almost 10 times your money. That means you only have to hit it once every 10 tournaments to stay above water. So if you hit twice every 10 tournaments, you're, you're making a lot of profit. So there's a lot of discipline involved. Um, and you got to be patient, you know, you might go eight without winning, but then you might win two in a row. So, um, I think, you know, you got to be strategic about it and you got to be patient and, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta play the value. All right. Last question. Then pick me a winner for John Deere for the open. Oh, Wait, for the open. You haven't even looked at it yet. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I've been looking, um, <sighs> this is going to be a cop out. I like Rom. I like Rom to win. He's, he hasn't been himself this year. He was very disappointing at the sun on Sunday at the U S open. He was kind of right there and I expected him to go and take it and he didn't. Um, but with that being said, when he's played these link styles of uh, golf courses so well, when he was a favorite at the Irish open, he won anytime he's kind of been a favorite on when he's played on the European tour, um, you know, every now and then he usually comes through. And I think St. Andrews is a good course for him. It's a place where he can use his length. You know, it doesn't, it's not a requirement, but it's definitely a luxury. You've seen long hitters win there before. Um, he's crafty around the greens. His putting is starting to come back around. Uh, he was close at the U S open, but you could tell he didn't have it all together. I'm hoping by that time he has it all together. So I think he's a good, he's, he's my winner, but some other guys, you know, Cameron Smith seems like he's the type of guy who could definitely get it done around here with his craftiness around the greens and his ability to make putts. And he gets a little wild off the tee, which, you know, usually at St. Andrews is the one thing you probably can get away with a little bit is you're not going to get too, too crushed by getting a little wayward off the tee. So I think he's a guy to look out for as well. Uh, all right. I, I really don't want to see a live tour player win, so I'm not going to pick any of them, <laughs> even though I do, I am leaning towards one of them in particular, but you know what? I'm going to pick Rory. I don't know why I just, it would be a lot of fun to see him win, especially over there. It'd be fun. That's it. Oh, no doubt. It would be fun. The question is, you know, and I said this before the U S open, everyone was saying Rory's going to win. Rory's going to win. And I said, I agree with all the reasons you guys are saying he's going to win. It, it seems likely that he's going to the way he's playing coming off the Canadian, he gets hot and stretches. He looked amazing, but how many times over the past, 32 majors have we said this he looks like he's about to win and he doesn't right he hasn't got it done in eight years 32 majors and um you know going on 32 so 
yeah, it all looks good for him, but we'll see if he can actually do it. I think a lot of it is, is mental for him. Well, if there's one way to do betting, it's just pick your favorite and what you want to win with no logic behind it. Just throw yeah. money on that. That's there the best go. way to do it. So go bet Rory then. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll do it in a good future. Uh, enjoy John Deere and enjoy the open and enjoy the rest of the golf season. All right. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Listen, we all know someone affected by mental health, and that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl, happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, a day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook. Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime. Great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a thousand curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and equipment you need at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. <laughs> 